Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk about adult anxiety, in particular, your anxiety, because as parents to kids with anxiety and OCD, there's probably a big chunk of you out there who have your own anxiety struggles. So I'm not going to necessarily talk about OCD, parental OCD today. I'm going to talk about uh, parents who have anxiety because anxiety and OCD are very different and those are two different topics. So today I want to talk to you about your anxiety, whether you have an anxiety disorder or you feel like you're just a little bit more anxious than the average adult. It's not going to be surprising because the apple does not fall far from the anxious tree. (laughs) So many of us, myself included, have anxiety, and anxiety runs rampant in our families. That's why we are raising kids with anxiety. Or maybe you have a partner or a relative with anxiety, and maybe this podcast will help them. But I did want to do this because I feel like if we don't keep our own anxiety in check, then we really will struggle helping our anxious kids. And there is a way to harness our anxiety in a way that can be helpful and not hurtful to our kids. I want to talk about that. So the reason why I feel like it's really important to discuss it is because anxiety is contagious and not just anxiety, but moods in general. And I've noticed this especially with my anxious kids. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, I don't have any non-anxious kids, so maybe it's just kids in general, (laughs) but it's not just anxiety. It's any kind of mood. So if I'm in a bad mood, I can watch the ripple effect in my house. Can you, can you see that? Like when you're in a bad mood, can you tell that you're kind of oozing your bad mood onto your kids or your, or your spouse or your partner? I can totally see that. I think it happens more often in my family and maybe more often in your family, when you have anxious kids or an anxious partner, they tend to absorb the energy a lot quicker because they're very in tune with their environment. And so they pick up on those moods a lot quicker, including our anxious moods. So, I mean, I definitely see with my bad mood, my kids pick it up and I can like destroy the vibe in my house within like 15 minutes. (laughs) Can you do that? It's not fun and you feel really bad about it, but you know, you're human and it's going to happen. You can't be Mary Poppins all of the time. So I want to talk to you about your anxiety because I do feel like that will help your kids. Now I did do a podcast a really long time ago, episode nine about keeping your own anxiety out of your parenting. So if you want to go back and check that out, that might be a helpful supplement to this episode because I do talk more specifically about parenting and how to kind of hold your own anxiety so that you can parent effectively. I did want to come back and revisit this topic today because I feel like there's more to talk about and not about your parenting style per se, but just about your anxiety. I want to give you tips on how to deal with your anxiety because I know that will help your kids and I know that will help you. So I think the first, oh, so let me just back up really quick. So for some reason, iTunes does not list out 
every episode I've ever done. I think they do that with every podcast. I kind of find that annoying. So I think you can only go down to episode like 18 on my podcast. And I know that's very frustrating for some people because in my private Facebook group, people have talked about that and said, I can't, I can't access your other episodes. By the way, if you're not in my private Facebook group, you can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash AT parenting anxious kids and join us because it's a growing community of incredibly amazing parents. I love those people. They're incredibly supportive, knowledgeable, and very helpful with each other. And I pop in very frequently and try to help as well. So do join us in there. But anyway, some people were saying that they couldn't access my older podcast episodes. If you go to my website at anxious toddlers to teens.com and you click on the top button that says podcast, you will find all of them there. And so if you want to go back to the older ones, you can just go onto my website and you can scroll back and you'll find from episode one all the way up to episode 68. Can you believe I've done so many episodes already? It's crazy. So you might want to revisit that episode. But today I want to talk to you just about how do you deal with anxiety in general. And I think the important thing is if you need to get help for yourself, don't think it's selfish or too time consuming to go get your own therapist. Because I think a lot of times as parents, we put our kids first, we put our partners first, and we sometimes forget about ourselves. And it's the whole put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your kids. You know, there is a really good valid point to that. Because if you're not completely charged and ready to go, and you're raising kids with anxiety or OCD, good luck with that. That's going to get really tricky. So do get your own support because I'm going to just be teaching you little tidbits that I teach your kids and that I teach you to teach your kids. So none of this is going to be overly new. If you listen to me all the time, I'm just going to teach it to you in a more adult sort of way. I have had anxiety forever. I don't think I ever realized the level of anxiety I had until I became a parent. Did you find that too? Like you really thought, oh, you know, yeah, I'm slightly anxious or whatever. Or maybe you did have anxiety and knew you had anxiety, but it kind of was dormant or you thought you were done with it. And parenting will bring it out. And so I don't think I realized that I really had probably like an anxiety disorder until I was in my 40s. Isn't that super sad? And now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I I was super anxious as a kid. And my social anxiety was hidden as being an introvert. I would kind of hide behind that label. And in reality, yes, I am an introvert, but I also have social anxiety. So I will use myself as an example throughout this so that I can just kind of give you more concrete tips and give you kind of more of a storyline so that you can kind of see how I'm talking about these things. So you don't want to be in denial. You know, you want to figure out what are your core fears? Like we talk about with your kids, what are your triggers? What is your anxiety about? It's funny because as parents, we can look at our own kids and say, oh, their core fear is this. These are their triggers. They're in therapy, or this is what we're working on. But then when we turn the table and we look at you, you haven't analyzed yourself at all. So start doing that. Um, I didn't do that until I was in my forties, had written two books on anxiety, had a website on anxiety, 
had been a child therapist for over 18 years and didn't even really look at myself. (laughs) That sounds kind of terrible. But you know, I think especially with social anxiety, but a lot of other anxieties as well, we tend to sugarcoat it with other labels. You know, I'm just shy, I'm just introverted, or I just am to myself, or I just don't like to go out into crowds, or I don't like to, whatever it is for you, you want to find out what that is. So start to explore yourself and get to know what your anxiety triggers are. What's really making you anxious? When you have anxious thoughts, what are they about? You need to know that. Maybe you're like, oh, Natasha, I totally know that. So I'm going to go over some just concrete ways to tackle your anxiety. And again, these are going to be just kind of surface level stuff, but maybe it'll help you in the interim between maybe getting a therapist or reading some books to help you with your own anxiety. And I will tell you a good book at the end of this podcast. So the first thing that you really want to pay attention to is be a little bit more of a gatekeeper for your thoughts. And so I kind of talk about this a lot on my podcast about avoiding going down the rabbit hole. And I actually don't say avoid the rabbit hole. A lot of times I talk about it in OCD terms as you want to go down that rabbit hole and find out what is at the very bottom. In this instance, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So a lot of times with anxiety, and I'm not talking about OCD at all today because everything I'm going to say is really not good for OCD because you really don't want to analyze your thoughts with OCD. That's a different podcast. But if you're an anxious person, a lot of time we spend big bulk of our thoughts are in the past or in the future and not in the present. I do like this new movement that is happening in society that is being in the now, um, mindfulness. You know, for a little while I was kind of resistant to it because it sounded a little bit like, I don't know, I'm not like a non-fufu person, but it sounded... I have a hard time meditating. And so maybe that was my problem, but staying in the moment, I was kind of like, okay, but you know, all right, now what? (laughs) Because I couldn't stay in the moment. That's kind of funny, but I have embraced it and it does help. So if you're having a thought that's in the past, something that you did or said, I let it go because can I change that? So the first question I ask myself when I have a thought, if I'm aware of it and I really try to gatekeep most of my thoughts. So I am an observer of my thoughts, which is a skill in and of itself. So you want to start paying attention. This is how I talk to kids and teens too, about their anxiety. You want to start to pay attention to what thoughts you're having in your brain. Again, not for OCD, (laughs) but you know, what am I telling myself nonstop 24 seven? Those are important messages I want to be privy to. So I want to observe my thoughts, my inner dialogue all the time. And then I want to gatekeep it. So if I'm having, if I'm going down this rabbit hole about, oh my gosh, yesterday I said the stupidest thing. I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to use social anxiety as an example, because that's kind of my thing. So you can put your thing in my example so that you understand what I'm saying. So if I'm perseverating over something I said yesterday, I'm going to gatekeep that. I'm going to say, okay, well, that was, that was yesterday. Can I change that? No, then I'm not going to think about it. And so I will let it go. And of course, my anxiety doesn't want to let it go. So it will kind of come back at me and knock on the door and I'll say, I can't change it. I'm not listening to you. So I'm going to push back on those thoughts and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. And if I catch it while I'm halfway down the rabbit hole, I'm going to say, no, 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 this happened already. I can't do anything about it. So I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I might even fight back with some empowering words like, 
Um, you need to bat. <laughs> okay, so I'm really weird, and I do talk to myself in a very weird sort of way, but it helps. So I might even yell back at my anxiety and say, you need to back off. I call my anxiety paro for paranoid because I'm socially paranoid at times, but I have gotten so much better. So I might say, you know, paro back off. You know, I did amazing yesterday. I talked to people and I didn't even want to go to that event. So you're not going to nitpick and try to make me feel bad about something I said. Nobody else cared. So I'm letting that go. That's how I talk back to my anxiety. If it's in the future, let's say it's something that I'm worrying about in the future. Let's use a different example. Let's use our kids because our kids are very anxiety producing, right? So I look at my one of my kids. I'm trying to not give as much information about my kids, but I look at one of my kids and I say, oh my gosh, they're not eating. What if they have to have a feeding tube in the future? Or what if um, they start to lose more and more weight? So when I see that I'm down that rabbit hole and it's a what if thought and it's in the future, I will say, what's happening now? So this kind of goes back to mindfulness in a, in a very kind of big sort of way. I bring it back to the now and I say, what is currently happening? And I do this for a lot of anxious thoughts. I say, what's happening right now? Oh, I'm sitting here in my living room, talking to you on my podcast, talking to the wall, really. Uh, my kids are healthy and they're in school right now. My husband is healthy and he is at work right now. My body is functioning and I am healthy right now. Whatever is going good in the moment, in today, that's what you want to focus on. This is a bit of a skill because if you have an anxious brain, your anxious brain doesn't want to live in the now. It wants to live in the past and it wants to live in the future. So you want to really work on honing in and living more in the now because 99% of the time, depending on what's going on in your life, things are going relatively okay in the moment. I mean, you can always find something worse, right? So even if my kids are running around and they're screaming or my child's having a panic attack or I'm fighting with my husband, we're all still healthy. And let's say we're sick. Well, you know, at least we're not terminally ill. Like it can always be worse. If something really bad is happening to one person in the family, well, thank goodness I have other people in the family that are doing okay and are able to help support me. I feel like finding that silver lining, even though it sounds cheesy and it sounds, I don't know, whatever, it is very helpful to, it's very grounding, especially if you focus on what is going on. Because a lot of times in the moment, things are okay. You're just worried about what's going to happen in the future. Now on that, the other thing I wanted to talk about is something I call back burnering it. <laughs> I have weird things. So I was actually just teaching my kids this the other day. And so I will back burner worries and I teach teenagers to do this in my practice as well. So if it's not happening today or tomorrow, then I'm going to back burner it. I'll give you an example. So I was going to this um, pediatric advanced training for OCD. I was going to the BTTI recently in Wisconsin, and I was really nervous about it. I was nervous about it for a couple of different reasons, none of which had anything to do with the training. <laughs> I was nervous to fly by myself, even though I've flown before and get my own rental car. I didn't even realize in that moment how much I depend on my husband, which is really sad. Like I... I just don't normally do things by myself. I'm not a very independent person and that's changing drastically 
recently because I'm working on it. And so part of this training, because it was actually the second BTTI training I've gone to, which is a little unnecessary because I went to their general one and then I was going to their pediatric one, which is it's a little excessive. And I love talking about OCD, so it wasn't like a bad thing. But part of the reason why I signed up for it was to do a social anxiety challenge and do something way out of my comfort zone, go somewhere by myself, meet people I don't know, and be in a hotel room by myself and have to interact with people for three days. So I started to get nervous about it like a month before the training, which is ridiculous. And I would say to myself, it's not happening for a month. And so you're going to worry about it two days before. And so every time the worry would pop up, I would say, it's not two days before. And I would have to remind myself, but I would not allow myself to go down the rabbit hole. But I find with my anxiety that if I tell my anxiety, if I tell Paro, hey, you will, don't worry, Paro, we're going to totally worry about this. I mean, we are going to sit and obsess about this. Just not right now. We're going to do it two days before the trip so that we don't waste all this time worrying because it's unnecessary. So every time I'd have the worry, I'd say, ah, it's not two days before. And for me, that's highly effective because I stopped worrying about it because I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to worry about that the week of. And ironically, the week of, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't nearly as nervous as I was a month out. And it went fine. And in fact, it was like my final social anxiety challenge. I talk about these social anxiety challenges in my online class. So if you're an adult with social anxiety, this is the one class I made that is for adults and kids because I'm so passionate about crushing social anxiety because it's been my own journey and my own battle. And so if you have social anxiety and you want to hear kind of the steps that I took to beat it, definitely look into my class. I'll leave a link below, or you can go to anxioustoddlers.teachable.com and look at all my classes. I have classes for anxiety, how to parent kids with anxiety, how to parent kids with OCD. But my social anxiety class is for people directly to take. So for kids 10 and up, and adults. So let me know if you've taken it. And if you've enjoyed it, you can email me and let me know because, um, that's my baby. Anyway, that was my final challenge. I talk about challenges in that class and that was my final challenge and it was very successful, but I was very worried going up to it because I had, I was going to go to the, the kind of the social gathering and normally I would totally avoid that. So I was really pushing myself and I was teaching my kids about what back burnering it is. And I used this as an example. And so that goes into another point that I have on my list of points to teach you is you can use your anxiety as a way to model how to teach your kids to fight their anxiety in an optimistic, positive sort of way. So you don't want to, you know, talk to them in the middle of a major panic attack and tell them how anxious you are. That's not helpful, obviously, right? But you can use yourself as an example, just like I do for you. I mean, I love using personal examples. I love talking about um, real life situations so that you can really wrap your brain around that. And hopefully that helps you because it makes it more personal. I'm a story person and that helps my kids. They want to hear that Their mom has anxiety too, but she's really fighting back. So it's not me constantly telling them, hey, you need to work on your worries or hey, you need to work on your OCD or hey, you need to work on your fears. And I'm not doing anything myself. So it is is a way to kind of bond 
and so that they can see that we all have challenges. It's a way to normalize anxiety. And it's also a way to model your own tools that you're trying to teach your kids. Because anxiety tools, in my opinion, are the same, whether they're for a child or for an adult. I just present them in a kid-friendly way to kids. So just yesterday, we were in the car. I'm trying to think, oh, I know what was happening. So I don't know why, but Miss Six started to get really worried about summer camp. And she said, my stomach hurts and we're driving to school. And she was like, I'm so nervous about summer camp. I don't want to go. And then Mr. Eight was like, I don't want to go either. And so Miss Six has a lot more social anxiety. She's so much like me. And so I was explaining to them, you know, it's really important to learn how to back burner your worries. You can schedule it for a different time. And so I, I use this whole example about me going to this training and how I was really worried for a month and how just exactly the story that I just told you. And, and Miss Six was really interested and she said, okay, so when does camp start? And I said, camp doesn't start for two weeks. So how about you back burner this until like Monday of the week that you start camp? And she said, okay. And she's little, you know, so, I mean, obviously I'm going to have to remind her like, Hey, we back burner this. And I explained to them, what does back burner mean? I said, this is the oven. The things that I'm cooking right now are on the front burners and the things that I just want to keep warm and I'll deal with later are on the back burner. So when you use these analogies, explain to kids what this verbiage is. So they understand it. And that way you can just be like back burner and you need to back burner things too. So ironically, when you back burner, by the time it comes up, normally you're not nearly as worried. So you won't, you only want to back burner actual legitimate worries, not the what ifs like, Oh gosh, what if I die when I'm 80? I'm going to back burner that for next month. No, you're not going to be 80 next month. Probably you don't back burner that you throw that in the trash. But if you're like, Oh gosh, you know, I have, um, I have to do a presentation at work and I'm so worried about it. Okay. Well, I'm going to back burner that until, you know, the week that I have to do it. Or, oh gosh, my child has to go to summer camp. And what if they fail? And what if they don't succeed? Well, you don't back burner that. That was a trick question because it's their journey and you're in the passenger seat. You're not driving. So (laughs) you have to check out my other podcast on keep calm and carry on. I don't know what episode. Hold on. I'll go check really quick. Episode 60. (laughs) So yeah, I tried to teach you also, and we're going to move into that as far as changing perspectives. So in a minute, after this break, I'm going to talk to you about how to change your perspective and how that impacts your anxiety and also how you view your children's anxiety and their issues. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. So I want to talk to you about changing your perspective. So sometimes I think we take on other people's problems and we become overwhelmed with their issues. And so sometimes just shifting your perspective can really help. Let me think if I can give you an example. So parenting is very anxiety producing because a lot of times we feel like we're being horrible parents or we feel like our kids are so anxious. They're never going to be able to function. So I'll give you an example. I was worried about 
one of my kids wait, (laughs) talking a lot about that because that's kind of one of my parental anxieties right now. And then I try to shift my perspective. And so I said, cause I was, I was doing laundry and I was looking at one of my kids underwear and I was like, Oh my gosh, look how tiny this is. I mean, we're actually in like toddler sizes and this kid is old. So it, it kind of set an alarm off my brain and I started to really panic. Like, Oh my gosh, am I doing enough to help? And then I had to shift perspective. And I said, you know, my oldest child had similar weight issues. She was, had eating issues for a totally separate reason, but I remember panicking just as much with her. And so I tried to shift my perspective and I said, you know, Natasha, yeah, I talked to myself. I do. And I said, you don't know what's going to happen. You're in the future. You need to get into the presence. That goes back to my, my first tip. And then I said, look at her. She eats nonstop. I mean, like, in in fact, she had said to me the other day, you know, you never ask me if you, you never worry about if I'm eating or not, or you never ask if I ate lunch. And I said, because you eat all the time. But then later I thought about that to myself and I was like, you know, she's right. I used to completely worry about her and I don't worry about her anymore. And she's almost my height and she's wearing my shoes. And I used to like stay up at night worrying nonstop if she would ever reach a size where she could even like reach the pedal or drive a car. I was so worried that she wouldn't be a productive human being because she was going to be so small because she was a failure to thrive because she had sensory issues. And I was super worried about her. And now she's 14 and she's fine. So I shifted my perspective. So when you have a worry, um, you know, if you're having an issue with your partner and you're fighting with your partner and you want your partner to do something different, sometimes shifting your perspective, and this isn't about marriage therapy, but (laughs) sometimes shifting your perspective and saying, you know what, I can't control other people. I can only control myself. And so I'm going to accept who they are and what they're capable of giving me. I mean, and that obviously completely depends. So maybe marriage and relationships aren't my thing and I shouldn't talk about them. But I think sometimes you have to change your perspective on one, what you can change and what you can't change. Two, if you don't know what's going to happen, should you really sit there and worry about it? I have spent so much energy and so much time worrying about things that never came to fruition because it was all what ifs. Oh my gosh, will kindergarten be a nightmare? Oh my gosh, how are my kids going to function? In fact, I can give you another example. So I went I'm trying to think. Okay. So I had to go to Disneyland with my oldest daughter's band. And I was worried about that trip and I backburnered it and it turned out to be great. And there was nothing to worry about, but my littlest miss six was super, super anxious about a play that she had to do. And I wasn't going to be there. And I was panic for her panic. And I was worried, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be there. She's worried she might pass out. She's worried she might throw up, you know, and she is crying the day that I, you know, had to take her to school and I was going to be going away. And I had to shift my perspective and say, this is good for her. Like she has to learn how to overcome her fears. And then I shifted my perspective and I said, you know, honestly, it's probably good that I'm not going to be there because I'm going to be so worried about how she's doing up on the stage. She doesn't need that, right? She doesn't need my anxiety. I don't need that. And so I shifted my perspective and I said, ah, my husband, he's so calm. He'll get it. She'll do fine. And guess what? She did. So changing your perspective can be really helpful. So, so far we've talked about how moods are contagious, 
And so you want to get your own support. I talk about avoiding going down the rabbit hole and staying more in the now. Um, So analyzing and gatekeeping your thoughts. Uh, So don't go into the past if you can't change things. And don't go into the future if it's a what if. And if it is something that is rational in the future, then you back burner it. And then we talked about shifting your perspective. Your children have their own journey. And sometimes they have to fall in order to learn how to pick themselves back up. And so sometimes that's okay. And sometimes we're going to mess up and it can be a learning experience for everybody. You know, this is what it looks like when mom is angry and we're going to talk about it now and we're going to learn from that. So those are all really important things. The last two things I want to talk about are kind of smushed together. So it's really one thing, but A and B, which is A is lean into your fears So you can role model for your kids. And then B is do challenges together. So we'll talk about those. If you listen to me at all, you know, I talk a lot about exposure therapy. I'm kind of big on exposure therapy and leaning into our anxiety and not let it bully us. And so this is a great way to role model for your kids. Now you don't want to role model it while you're doing it necessarily. If you think that it could be touch and go for you. You can role model it by talking about it afterwards, or if you're doing a challenge, let's say you don't like talking to people and you say to your kids, I'm going to go and start a conversation with the waitress when she comes, because I have a hard time talking to people. So I'm going to ask her about her weekend. And you're not like a 10 on a one to 10 stress scale. Maybe you're like a five. It's slightly uncomfortable then yeah, share it with your kids before you do the challenge. That could be really helpful because then you can play challenge games. What challenge do you want to take? So if your child has a similar anxiety to you, that would be great. And even if they don't, you guys can play a challenge game where each person kind of does their own challenge and you celebrate each other. I think having that language in the house is very helpful because I the whole entire family besides my husband has some sort of anxiety and it's a language that we speak. We speak in anxious terms, you know, fight your fears. We call each other out on it in a very loving sort of way. My kids call me out on it a lot and say, mom, fight your fears. Or the thing that they say to me the most is, but you told us not to care what other people think, or we shouldn't care what other people think, or you shouldn't care what other people think. And that's a great message for me to hear and for them to understand that that's something that we're working on. So you want to lean into your fears, Uh, do it only when you're going to be successful or talk about your victories after the fact, or talk about how you got to that point. You are still a teacher. And so you really want to be more empowering and inspiring. And so you have to gauge when it's appropriate to share because you're not on the same level. You're not in it together. You have to be kind of walking ahead and not tripping so that when you talk to them and you present it, it's an inspiring thing and not, oh my gosh, my mom or dad doesn't have it. You know, they're, they're not grounded and they're shaky and now I'm feeling even shakier. So there is a bit of an art and a skill to empowering your kids about your own anxiety. My kids don't see me, you know, having a panic attack or in the middle of some major anxiety about something. And then I'm sharing that with them as I'm kind of not in control. Luckily that doesn't happen anymore. I might have some subtle anxiety, you know, like I might be like, gosh, why do I have to go to the bathroom all the time? 
oh, I think I'm nervous about this. <laughs> That's kind of how my anxiety manifests nowadays. But really, it's almost gone because every time I have something that I'm anxious about, I lean into it. I'll say, oh, well, I hope, I, I hope she doesn't come over and talk to me. And then my anxiety will be like, yeah, just turn away. And so to fight back, I say, nope, you know what? I'm turning around. I'm going to start the conversation first. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But I do it. And then I'm like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And so I'm relearning over my, my fear reaction. And that's really what you want to do for yourself. And it's what you want to teach your kids. So I hope that helps a little bit, give you some perspective on how to touch a little bit on your own anxiety. I will tell you, there's this book that I really liked about anxiety, which is called Hardcore Self-Help. Okay, so the title is a bad word. So it's F asterisk asterisk K, kind of like F word, F anxiety. And it's by uh, Robert Duff, Hardcore Self-Help, F anxiety. (laughs) Just Google his name or go on Amazon. That's a great, very short book on how to fight anxiety as an adult. I really like that. And he actually has a website too. And I think he just started a podcast. So look into him um, because I think that his, his approach is very similar to mine on an adult level and you might enjoy that. So I know I said last week that I was going to try to do similar topics on my podcast and my YouTube channel. And I thought about that and because I promote both Um, on my social media and all around, it kind of would seem redundant. So I'm not sure I'm going to do that. I actually thought that might be a bad idea because it's going to look like I'm talking about the same thing twice per week. So I am going to tell you what I am talking about each week over on YouTube for my kids' YouTube channel so that you can be aware of what's coming out on Thursday. So this week, I got a comment from a mom who wanted me to talk about picking and pulling for their kids. So it was a comment that was on my YouTube video. I had interviewed Anila from habitaware.com and we were talking about uh, trichotillomania, like pulling hair, and we were talking about picking disorder and pulling. So uh, she wanted me to do a video directly for kids on how to handle your pulling and your picking. And because we're a bunch of pickers and pullers at my house, of course, I thought that was a great idea. So I'm going to be doing my YouTube video for kids this week, which will be coming out on Thursday, if you're listening to this in real time, on hair pulling and skin picking. But it'll be directly talking to your kids. So I hope that helps. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.